How many of you like losing? How many of you just uh, get all excited about losing? Uh, I got a confession to make. I'm a poor loser. I will do almost anything in my power to keep from losing. You can ask my wife. My kids, they play checkers with me, and they never win. Uh, (laughs) I just believe that if you're going to do something, you ought to do it with all your heart, with all your soul, all your mind. You ought to put everything into it. And... uh, You know, coming in second really doesn't thrill me, because whether you come in second or come in last, you're still a loser. And God didn't make any losers. I just believe that he made us all winners. And... uh, I want you to know, though, that it's possible to lack or to need or to fail to do something and lose out altogether. That's a terrible thought, isn't it? To show you what I mean, if you go to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18 and uh, verse 18. Now a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? How many of you here want eternal life? Good question then, right? I'm glad he asked that question. So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. You know the the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and your mother. And he said, All these I have kept from my youth. So when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, You still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. And when he heard this, he became very sorrowful, for he was very rich. And when Jesus saw that he became very sorrowful, he said, How hard it is for those who are, have riches to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And those who heard it said, Who then can be saved? But he said, The things which are impossible with men are possible are impossible with men are possible with God. Hallelujah. You still lack one thing, he told him. Boy, that... He went up to Jesus and he was expecting to hear, Hey, 
you're all right, fella. And he got before Jesus, and Jesus said, you still lack one thing. His money, his position, his morality, his idealism, they just weren't enough. Being good can be deceptive. I know a lot of people who you try to witness to them and they say, I don't do anything wrong. I'm a good person. I go to church. I know a lot of good people. And you can be religious and still lack something. You can have a fine moral character. You can have a a sincerity and be well-meaning in everything that you do. You can have a real desire for eternal life. This man did. He sought Jesus out. And he asked him, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He really had a desire to have eternal life. This type of person is the kind that they'll go and they'll join the church. They'll teach a Sunday school class. They'll pray in public. And yet there's something lacking. Boy, I'm telling you, I knew a woman over in Niagara Falls. Wonderful woman. I'm not going to say what church she belonged to. She didn't belong to the Assemblies of God. I wouldn't belong to her church, okay? Wonderful woman. She'd give you the shirt right off her back. She, uh, she just had a nice way about her and everything. But you know, you can be nice. You can be morally good and still lack that which is really necessary. Hallelujah. You know, we got a serious problem in the churches today and in society. There's splendid men and women, boys and girls, that are just not willing to give up everything for Jesus Christ. They'll go to church. They'll sit and warm a pew. But they're just not willing to put Jesus in first place. You know, I believe hell is going to be full of people with good intentions. In fact, I'll go further than that. I believe hell is going to be full of people who go to church. You know the devil goes to church?
These people that I'm talking about, their very virtues, their, their good goodness is a hindrance. They're so good that they can't accept the goodness of God. They're so righteous in their own eyes that they can't accept the righteousness of Jesus Christ. They'll come up and they'll ask you, what good work shall I do? That's what the rich man here was asking. What must I do to inherit eternal life? There's only one thing necessary. And that's accepting Jesus Christ. You know, you can't count on your own merits. Only on the merits of Jesus. Jesus asked the young man to give up his money... And there's no doubt about that. But in so doing, he uncovered a root problem. He never asked the man to give up his goodness, did he? He just said, give up your money. Because he knew that that money was a hindrance to him. There's a lot of good things that can be a hindrance. I heard a man say that playing golf was a hindrance to him. There's nothing wrong with golf, but if it gets in the way of God, it's a hindrance, and it can keep you from being what God wants you to be. There's nothing wrong with going out and playing baseball, but if baseball becomes your God, then you better stop playing baseball. See, God just wasn't first in this man's life. And it says here that Jesus loved him. But I want to tell you something. He's still lost out with God. Read it. Jesus loved him and he lost out with God. When Jesus asked him to sell everything he had and give to the poor and come follow me, he got sorrowful. And it doesn't say he ever followed him. And that's sad. Now maybe you don't have a lot of money and maybe money's not your problem. But if you've got something that's, that's keeping you from being everything that God wants you to be, you better get rid of it. He only lacked how many things? Just one thing. But, you know, a miss is as good as a mile. Close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades and atom bombs, right?
Something good can be your hindrance. Don't let it stop you. Secondly, I want you to turn to Luke 10 and verse 38. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his words. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but how many things are necessary? One thing is needed. One thing is necessary. And that Mary has chosen for herself. Just one thing necessary, one thing needed. Now, I want to make it very clear right off to start with. It's not enough to sit down and do nothing. And that's not what the point that Jesus was trying to make here, that uh, you should just sit and listen. That's not what he's trying to get across. We still need the practical Marthas in the kitchen. And I want to tell you, nothing, nothing aggravates me any worse than when you put on a church supper and it's always the same one serving all the time. Of course, their rewards are going to come in heaven, but I, as a pastor, it kind of, kind of rubs me the wrong way. We're all a part of the body of Christ, and we're all servants of the Lord, and we all got, should have a chance at serving, Right? He says here, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. See, he wasn't reprimanding her because she was working. He was reproving her because she was all upset and worried. How many of you realize God doesn't want you to to worry and fret and stew and be upset? He says there's only one thing needful, and that's restful communications with him. Now, you can, you can teach Sunday school. You can be the pastor of a church. You can be an elder or a deacon in the church. But if you don't have communications with God... You've missed out on the very best that there is. You know, you can, you can get all tied up in serving. And that's what had happened to Martha. She'd gotten all tied up in serving. But you know, you can commune with Jesus in the kitchen as well as you can in the living room.
And we need to have that communication. But he doesn't want you to be cumbered, as it says in the King James, I think it's cumbered with many, cumbered about with many things or something like that. Anxious, another version says. He doesn't want you cumbered or anxious or vexed or harassed. You know, all the service that we do is going to pass. But there's one thing that's going to remain. We're going to have it forever. And that's our communion with Jesus Christ. So Mary had really chosen the best. Isaiah 30 and verse 15 says, Thus saith the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, In returning and rest you shall be saved. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength. God wants us to just have time with him. Have confidence in him. That's where, you know, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Teach us, Lord, to wait. To sit at the feet of Jesus. To put Jesus so first in our life that we have constant communication with him whether we're in the kitchen or the dining room, whether we're serving or, or sitting, we've got to have that communion, that fellowship through the Holy Spirit. Amen? Hallelujah. <clears throat> Last of all, I want to take you over to Philippians. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 8. Let's start with verse. I guess we got the time. Let's go back a little further. Start with verse 4. Though also, uh, though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church. Concerning the, righteous, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. 
But indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained or am already uh, perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold on me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but, here it is, but one thing I do, one thing I do, not many things I dabble in. He had one goal in life. Paul found that though he was from the stock of Benjamin and he was a Pharisee and he was, he was uh, blameless under the law, he found that there was an emptiness. He lacked something in his life. You know, you can be religious and still feel a need. He tells us about it through the whole chapter here. He enumerates his good points before he knew Jesus. Kind of reminds you of the young rich ruler that we just read about. Had a lot of good points, but there was something lacking. Something lacking. He was blameless according to the law. Then he learned, as we all must, righteousness comes by faith. Righteousness comes from God, not from what you do. He says in verse 9, being found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God. By how? By faith. Paul says, There's something here that we need to forget. Verse 13. He says, forgetting those things which are behind. Don't always live in the past. Forget it. You know, the past can bind you all up. There's so many people that something that happened in their past has got them bound in the present. 
Paul says, forget about the past. Forget about those things that are behind. You can't do anything about them anyway, right? It's too late. Then he says, there's something that we should reach toward. Verse 13, he says, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Forget that back there. There's something ahead of us that's worth making the sacrifice for. Amen? He wanted to apprehend Jesus Christ. He wanted to get a hold of Jesus that he might attain to the resurrection. He figured Jesus was worth trying to get a hold of. Amen? Isn't that what he's saying here? And then he says there's something to press toward. Verse 14. He says, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Paul wasn't satisfied with just coming in second or third. Paul was going for the gold. He was going for the crown. He was going to get the most precious thing that is offered to man. He was going to get a hold of Jesus. That's what he's saying here. And if you're going to get a hold of Jesus... then you've got to be able to set anything aside that would hinder you. Boy, you don't want to come up on that last day when you stand before the judgment seat and hear Jesus say, there's one thing that thou lackest. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. <gasps> I want to hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant. You know, a faithful servant is one that's there all the time. It's one that hangs in there to the end. Amen? One that you can count on. So let me say this in closing. I think we ought to press in there. I think as a church, we need to press in. If there's anything that's hindering you from being in first place, you know what may be a good thing. I mean, maybe, maybe you've, you've got a position in the town that no one else has got. Maybe you've got abilities that no one else has got and you're using them for good.
But if it hinders your relationship with Jesus Christ, then that's what it's saying here. You've got to be... Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and everything else will be added. And see, the problem with the young ruler was he loved God, but not first. He had another God. Anyone who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, is what Jesus said. Isn't that what it said? Maybe your husband or your wife could be a hindrance to you. I don't mean you should leave them, but I mean you've you got to put it in the proper perspective. Maybe there's one thing that you still need, and that's that constant communion with God. He said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Now, you don't have to, you can be old or young and still not have that communion with God that you need. And so I'm asking, let's as a church, or let's make this decision personally tonight. I'm going to go for the gold. I'm not satisfied with second place because that's a loser. I'm going for first place. I want to come out with a prize, Jesus Christ. And it'll all be worth it when I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. Amen? So I'm going to ask you, we got about five minutes left or, or so, and I'm going to have an altar call. What did I say the other night? Oh, boy. When I say altar call, I think that everybody ought to come forward. You shouldn't wait on somebody else to come. I want to I get that going in this church. I want to have altar calls that when people hear altar call, they come to the altar. And they, and they, they get down on their knees and they, they, get, they get busy with God. He said, my, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Hallelujah. Ask God to put his, put his spotlight upon your life and ask him if there's anything you lack. You know, that's what the rich young ruler did. Ask him, was there something that I lack yet? What, what, what else do I need to get eternal life? Boy, when you ask Jesus a question, be prepared for him to give you an answer. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah.